We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, and I'm joined today by fellow co-host, producer alum, Dallas Hammer. Dallas, how's it going? It is going fantastic. I was expecting this chat to be a bunch of people rubbing it in that Matthew Stafford threw a bunch of picks and looked awful in primetime. And instead, the opposite happened. Last night was incredible. I'm on top of the world. The Rams got a huge win, and I didn't have to watch Idaho basketball. So one of the best nights of my life. Way to pull behind, pull the curtain back so people can know at least only one of us watched the NAU game, Dallas. So uh, good, good news. Off to a great start already, guys. And speaking of great start, today is the beginning of a new era on this show. We have a new man running the show from the shadows, new producer, Martin Hot Take Heemstra. Martin, how's it going, man? First time? You, I mean, you've been on the show before, of course, yeah. but this is your first time in a while. This is your new regular role. How's it yeah. feel? It's... It's nice. It's different. It's different being behind the scenes and not watching from the depths of the com- depths of the uh, comment section. Which, please make sure that you have a window open in the comment section to add an extra viewer to the show. We are always game for that. And I, I know that listeners will, viewers are going to be excited to see Martin Manning, the comment section some for the Tubbs account, and commenting on his own so we can argue with himself, which is another reason why. Producer Hop Take Heemstra as the producer. But we're done talking about the show. Anyway, great to have Martin along. He's going to be along for the ride for the long haul. Today, we are going to talk. Coaching staff for Vandal Football has essentially closed out. We have recruiting news, which a lot of a lot of people during the coaching search, Dallas, were pretty anxious that the that Jason Eck was not hired until after or right around first signing, right when the dead period started. We've got recruits rolling in. We have a uh, – some people are excited for this. Some people will call it dreaded. We've got a basketball update for men's and women's coming up. That's all in Around the Bar, brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. But the news that we're going to lead with, we have a defensive backs coach now. And it is it is a face that if you've been paying attention to animal football for a while, Stanley Franks Jr., this is not the first time you're going to have heard his name. And Stanley Franks Jr. is the new defensive backs coach who's going to be joining Jason Eck. He, Stanley Franks is already on the recruitment trail. He's already already hitting the ground running, just like the other coaches, who, by the way, my favorite online reality show now are the videos posted by Jason Eck, Thomas Ford, Luke Schleisner, anyone on the Vandal recruitment trail. That those That's the only reality show I give a shit about. But Dallas... Stanley Franks, you were excited. You were excited. I just saw your dance. Well, listeners missed that, but viewers certainly saw it. We got. I am. He's on the. He's on the team. I am ecstatic and I am excited about this hire. Uh, Stanley Franks. For for anybody that doesn't know who Stanley Franks is, in 2006, 
Stanley Franks led the NCAA in interceptions. He had nine, uh, ended up being first team all whack that year. Uh, honestly, one of the best seasons. Can I pause really quick? Had. Dallas, yeah, we, we buried it. the lead. What team was he playing for yes, when he led the nation in interceptions? You're right. I did bury the lead. Didn't mention that. He played here at Idaho. Uh, so 2006 was when his final season. So uh, spoiler alert. There's a little bit of overlap with uh, another member of the coaching staff that we're also excited to have. Uh, anyways, so Stanley Franks had one of the best seasons a Vandal players ever had. I mean, led the led the country. And this isn't just, I mean, not that FCS is bad. FBS, he led the FBS in interceptions. F- fantastic season. Uh, after that, he ended up, uh, I think he got a little bit of play with the Chargers, but ended up uh, here in Spokane. He played for the Spokane Shock and coached for the Shock for a while. Uh, he ended up playing in uh, Canadian football. <coughs> Excuse me. Won a Grey Cup uh, with the BC Lions, I think. Uh, fact check on that, somebody. Uh, anyways, yeah, won BC a Grey Lions, Cup. British Columbia. Thank you. Uh, got into coaching. Uh, actually ended up coaching here at this level. As a defensive backs coach, uh, he coached for Mike Kramer at Idaho State University. Uh, was I think there for four years. Uh, that was actually a pretty decent defense. Um, and then Mike Kramer's just his tenure ended, and then they went to Tennessee, and now they're obviously moving on to Raggle. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a dead zone. So ended up that coaching staff didn't come back after 2016. He ended up uh, coaching, I think, back with the BC Lions. Then uh, his most recent position is he's a he was a defensive quality control coach at Wazoo. Uh, I could not be more thrilled about this. Um, I think we've said it a lot on this show that the defensive backs have been a weakness, and I don't necessarily think it was on the players. I think a lot of it was coaching. Um, hashtag cushion of death. Um, I'm I know that's ripping hot take Heemster's heart out as I'm talking poorly about Mike Bresky here, but uh, I couldn't be more thrilled about this hiring. Maybe the best Vandal corner I've ever seen to come back and coach the guys. It, and he's he's proven he's done, he's done a good job. Uh, in 2014, I think it was the Bengals had 19 interceptions. Uh, like that's that's pretty incredible. Uh, and he was the guy responsible for coaching that position. So uh, you know, couldn't couldn't be more thrilled about this hire, Brian. The thing I'm going to look at is something we talked about last week when we ran through a decent amount of coaching roster, which is a lot of our position coaches have. What it might be at a lower level or just different school, they have coordinator experience even as position coaches. This is another example of a position coach who has a, who has background coaching above this level of let's say responsibility or supervision at a different level. Stanley Franks, with like you you talked about, he's he's coached defensive backs for a while for the Spokane Shock and then Idaho State for a few years, plus the BC, which is British Columbia Lions, based out of Vancouver, hashtag Wikipedia. Um, he, but Franks was a defensive coordinator at Cabrillo College, which is a junior college, which also just gives us another, it's out of California. It's another guy who has uh, some more West Coast background, maybe for recruitment, which will buttress the Midwest-ish background that a lot of our guys happen to have. But I, I like that Franks has big sky background at Idaho State you referenced. I like that he has coordinator experience from when he, even, even at the junior college level, also uh, Pac-12 experience, like you said. And this is, to me, you know, we talked a little bit, just for a second, about 
like, you know, minor reservation about Vandal coming back last year. Like we're, we're stoked for Matt Linehan, but there's like, like that 1% of us or 1% of each of us that, you know, in some ways we were just wanting to completely turn the page on the Paul thing. Well, this is, uh, this is a Vandal connection before that. This is a Vandal connection from a time. I think no one has any reservations about whatsoever. So yeah, getting Stanley Franks as our defensive backs coach is great. I'm, I'm happy that we definitely turned the page and we have a, we have a new person there. So honestly, Dallas, we, we essentially have a complete coaching staff at this point. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's the thing that like, this is our 10th coach. Like this is, this is it We're we're locked in. Um, obviously, uh, Eck being our head coach, uh, that's something I wanted to, uh, in case I didn't lead it on hard enough there. Uh, Frank's played on the former teams that Eck was a coach of. So, uh, you know, a guy that, X had some familiarity with for 15 some years at this point. So actually can I uh, jump in there? I completely buried this it. lead. I, I clearly wasted my time reaching out to Stanley Franks to get like, additional info to add and then completely ignored the info that he sent me. Um, Stanley Franks definitely played under Eck at when he was a player at Idaho, but uh, in direct messages, Stanley told me that he maintained a relationship with Jason Eck when Franks went from being a player to a coach even though he wasn't on a he wasn't on a coaching roster with or under Jason Eck, it's it was just you know seeing each other at conferences, spending a lot of time just talking football, talking strategy. Stanley Franks brought up that uh, brought up to me that I mean he's he is ecstatic to join the Eck staff, but part of it's because they maintained a professional relationship beyond just uh, player coach. It was in so, it was in some ways mentor ish. Which is another just another way where having ha- having Franks join this staff, not just Idaho, but this ex staff in particular, seems like a pretty damn good fit. So let's do a quick recap of the coaches, uh, shall we? Let me take the silences. Yes. Uh, so obviously, our newest head coach is Jason Eck. Uh, we are excited about that. Uh, offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach is. Luke Schleisner, uh, Coach Slice, I think is what he goes by because that is a mouthful. Um, don't wait or don't worry, we're going to get to a name I can't pronounce. But uh, defensive coordinator and linebacker, Coach uh, Rob Orich or Oric, I, I haven't figured that out yet. Uh, again, not a name guy, uh, cool name guy, but not a not a pronunciation guy. Uh, special teams coordinator and running backs, Coach Thomas Ford. Again, his brother Tracy played here, uh, so there's a, a vandal connection built in there. Uh, o line Joe Tripodi. Uh, coming in from Temple. Defensive line, Brian, I'm going to let you handle this one. David Lose. Thank you. I uh, whew, almost didn't make it through there. Uh, safeties, we've got Tyler Yelk also coming in from Temple. Uh, obviously, our uh, defensive backs coach, Stanley Franks. Uh, recruiting coordinator and tight ends coach, Tyler Sutton. And then last but not least of the position coaches, we have incoming receivers coach, Matt Linehan, uh, you know, maybe the greatest player from the the Petrino era coming back to uh, jumpstart his coaching career as his first uh, actual position coach uh, after being an analyst for the last couple of years. And then finally, our director of football operations, uh, J.D. Johnson. He is the only person returning from the Petrino regime. Uh, time will tell if he's going to stick around or if Eck is going to end up promoting his own guy. The director of football ops is usually the guy that's you know keeping the ship running. So when coaching staffs have turnover, somebody's got to be there to, to keep the ship moving so 
that's uh, I think what JD was there for. Uh, I mean, hopefully for him, he gets to stick around, but uh, you know, you never know. It's, it's one of those things where every coach is on a, except for the head coach is on a year to year basis, essentially. And the director of football ops is the guy that's there making sure that things happen as regimes change. So anyways, which lets us transition to the next football topic. And this is one that previous to this year, I didn't pay a ton of attention to recruits. I mostly cared about when they're about when they're ready to play. But this recruitment cycle is a little bit different because we didn't have any, we didn't have a coaching staff in for early signing day. Felt it's a little bit uh, more worthwhile to give people some updates as recruits roll in. And we have a handful of new recruits who've, who've committed to the University of Idaho. And I want to lead off with a position that might be a surprise for people as a leadoff position, but this recruit rolled in today, not that long before we lo- before we launched the show. Idaho struggled kicking the ball last year, and we just picked up a junior college All-American kicker punter, Ricardo Chavez. Uh, he's got two years to play. So he's he's essentially a red shirt, red shirt junior. He's got two years to play to, to get his two years of eligibility coming from Riverside community college. If you check out his Twitter, you can see a video and it's also on his huddle. You can see a video of him kicking a 59 yard field goal last year. So honestly, Dallas, we're, it's going to be hard for us to talk about the impact of a lot of the recruits. Cause you have to actually see how they play. And, you know, sometimes the transfer doesn't have a ton of reps to talk about. This guy's going to probably have an instant impact right when he shows up. I first thing first, I have to say I'm very disappointed that this kid committed right here and now because we know that uh former Tubbs of the Club special teams coordinator Alex Boatman is in a, a tough patch with work where he's you know he just doesn't have the time to to commit to us. So uh I didn't reach out to get his thoughts on our on our newest uh kicker slash punter. Um I I look forward to hopefully getting some breakdowns of that in the future. But uh, Brian, you're absolutely right. This is I think it's it's fair to say that the uh, the special teams game struggled a little bit when Cade Coffey left the program. Uh, not, I'm not sure if that was on coaching, if that was on the players. I, I don't want to speculate too much on that, but it, it seems like just looking at this kid, and especially if you go watch that 59-yard field goal in the, the state championship game, uh, this is a kid that's going to step in, and he might just be named the kicker, like, first day of spring practice he might just be yep that's the kid that kid's got the leg he's the guy so as far as recruiting goes he's definitely the one of those few kids that you're going to see of like hey i recognize that name he's on the field all the time well hopefully not all the time idaho is punter you for a reason and hopefully that's going to change here very shortly but uh i guess we'll see if he's going to kick or punt or do both Uh, obviously we've had quite the history of guys doing both but uh, definitely somebody that we're going to see, I think, coming in from a, a junior college, he's going to step in and probably be the kicker or the punter or both almost immediately. Yes, yeah, that's coming over from community college. And when Dallas said state championship, that did reference that was a junior college state championship, just so so people have a timestamp reference. Stats coming over from Riverside Community College is uh, 21 to 24 on field goal attempts. That's 88 percent with a long of 59, which we already talked about. 32 with 32 on point after attempts. So really about really about as good a stat line as you could possibly hope for. 
which I, again, with how awful our kicking and all some of the kicking struggles last year, also it was line struggle. So it wasn't just like missed kicks or block kicks, but uh, this is certain special teams was certainly a position and kicking specifically was something we could get better at. It looks, it absolutely looks like we just did get better at, at kicking. Couldn't agree more. Uh, nothing really else to say about it. I mean, he's a kicker. Uh, we're all going to boo him if he misses anything. We're going to cheer him if he makes anything. That's, that's just how it goes. Like it's the life of the kicker, but uh, excited to have a, uh, have a guy step in that should make an immediate impact. Yeah. Next, next edition I want to talk about is this is not a junior college guy. Ton of people. This, again, a lot of listeners have said they are hoping that we can start to capitalize on some more local-ish recruits. Uh, Jason Neck talked about in his opening press conference too, and already uh, at tight end, which we're, we should expect in the upcoming season, based off the information we have. And Eck has already said he's going to build the you know build the strategy around the team. Our understanding at this point is to expect that Eck's going to be a little bit more run heavy at Idaho than he was at South Dakota State and to expect we're going to see tight ends used more and more creatively. We just picked up a tight end from right here in Idaho, Jackson Mason from Rocky Mountain High School. Rocky Mountain's one of the high school powers in the state, uh, along with you know, places like Coeur d'Alene High School. We don't know if Mason's going to play a ton, of course, as a freshman, but it's a pretty big local recruit that we grabbed at a position that we should expect both for blocking and for pass catching is going to have a little bit more play this season. If his name was Jackson Mason Petrino, would he play quicker than he will right now? Jesus I'm sorry, Christ. I couldn't Jesus resist. Christ. That was so Jesus stupid. Christ. I'm so I'm sorry. I immediately regret that joke. Yeah, that, that, was, that was Martin in the background saying like, "Hey, we'll, we'll edit this out for the podcast version." Mercifully, live viewers are not, are not going to have that. Uh, by the way, joke was fine. It was more PTSD that froze me. So. <laughs> um, other thing to look at, and look, this is the recruitment discussion I think we should be looking at having is what are the, look, no matter what Eck has said on our show or in interviews, the focus of his recruitment is obviously the guys that he gets. And we're going to look at the positions that he's getting people at as, you know, what he's trying to buttress the team at. We're going to notice that like all coaches, especially new coaches, if he's going to try to win next year, which all indications are that he is, he's obviously done a pretty good job of retaining talent from last year's team. And he's probably going to be looking for some plug and play guys who can fill in it, fill in immediately. And which is the basic template for how do you take a team that should be doing better and improve them? Well, improve the coaching act takes care of that himself and then get some guys ready to play the day he shows up. Uh, we also added defensive end Devonte keys from uh, Houston, Texas junior. Uh, he's from Kilgore junior college uh, losing. And we, we lost some talent defensive end defensive line, Devontae Keys as a uh, junior college transfer looks like a guy who might be playing some. Uh, we also got two two brothers, Dallas, from New Mexico, Ben Bertram, and I'm going to say Matthias Bertram, might be Matthias Bertram, don't know, hasn't been on, haven't had him on the show. Um, ben Bertram is the older, is the older brother. He's a, he played defensive line for University of New Mexico. He has two years left. His younger brother is a defensive back linebacker. That's Matias' younger brother, both from New Mexico. Neither of those guys have a ton of stats from when they played, but uh, FBS dropdowns plus an older FBS dropdown that can be a, that can be a guy who you would look at whether as a starter or as someone playing mean, meaningful minutes in a reserve role, uh, specifically Ben Bertram. But we we're losing guys on the line. 
We're losing Chuck O'Connell at the edge. So those are two guys we definitely might see their their number called this next season. Exactly. I I I was doing some Twitter stalking and I I noticed this was absolutely a package deal. Uh, I don't remember who was coming first. I think it was again. I'm going to say Matias. Uh, I think it was Matias that came first, and then Ben, like the very next day, said, "Yep, transfer in Idaho with him." Uh, again, haven't played a whole lot at, at the uh, FBS level, but again, a lot of times you see I drop down from the FBS level, and he becomes he becomes a star at this level. So uh, think of like Favai Favai coming over from Wazoo, didn't have a ton of playing time there, you know, stepped in and started right away with that extraordinarily deep linebackers group that Idaho already had. So. Not to say that these guys are going to come in and immediately be favai favai and, and be hardcore starters, but uh, you'll notice uh, Martin is highlighting on the screen that uh, we have a super senior season available for Ben. So I'm with COVID, I honestly have no idea how long half of these guys are going to even be able to play here. We're going to see at least multiple seasons. I think Ben's got two full years. He's a redshirt junior. I think he's got he'll, – he'll repeat the redshirt junior and then redshirt senior, I think, is how that works. So he has two more years. Uh, Matias has four more years. I would assume we're going to see, especially like you said, on the defensive line where we where we had some some guys leave, I'm assuming we're going to at least see Bertram in the rotation. Ben, excuse me, I'll refer to them as their first names. Uh, we'll see Ben in the rotation. Matias being a little bit smaller, playing a, a hybrid DB linebacker, he might get a bunch of playing time too. I, I would imagine that uh, Eck is going to be very good about not giving anybody a position without having seen them. And, you know, it's not going to be these guys were the starters last year on a team that didn't win a whole lot of games. So they're all going to get their jobs. I'm going to guess it's open competition. We could see both of these kids starting. We could see both of them right in the bench. Tough to know at this point. Yeah. New Mexico was certainly not great FBS, but again, uh, FBS conference, they were at one point thought of as FBS recruits for sure. Glad to have them both on the team. Uh, next additions we have to talk about. Um, this one might be a pretty, could be a pretty big pickup because there, if you look at his Twitter, uh, Jordan Velasquez uh, from Marysville, Washington, uh, specifically Marysville Pilchuck High School, where Jake Luton also played. Uh, Jordan Velasquez is going to be defensive back. Now, again, huge asterisk. Most teams are not reliant on freshman contributors right away. But our DBs were weak as hell last year. So to me at this point, any any defensive back who looks like they've got speed is a candidate to play. Velasquez looks like a guy who uh, Thomas Ford footprint might already be helping, helping pay off here. I don't have much else to add other than if you look at his track stats, he's fast. And we absolutely need that with how much we struggled with DB last year. And I do want to just, for anybody that remembers listening to the recruiting video uh, that we did last year, uh, I think it was Chris Martin and I were the three. I know Martin and I were very high on Zamajay Duncan last year. Uh, again, don't think he really played a whole lot. It's just it's tough for a guy to come in so young and and play. So while we might be very excited about this guy, don't expect to see him become corner number one by the second week of the year. He might get some more playing time towards the end of the year. It's tough to project that the guy is going to get a whole lot of playing time as a true freshman. But, hey, who knows? Uh, like Brian said, uh, struggle would be putting it lightly for the the defensive backs for, honestly, the last couple of years. So uh, it, it, it's anybody's game at that point. 
Okay, last two recruits for us to talk about. And I, I really wasn't trying to temper or I was I really hope it didn't come across as like not being excited about Jordan Velasquez joining the team. He certainly has the from this far away, he's got the raw stats in terms of athleticism for us to think, okay, there's reason that the guy could contribute, but it's just this basic math. If you're expecting a freshman to start defensively, well, math is going to tell you most of them don't. But uh, last last couple we're going to talk about, one was a pretty pretty big kind of a coup in some ways for us to to snag Ridge. I'm going to butcher the hell out of this name, Ridge Doscall, something like that. He's a quarterback from Scottsdale and Arizona Seguro High School. He is considered a quarterback recruit kind of at the level of CJ Jordan when CJ Jordan uh, first signed at Idaho a few years ago. Now I bring up Ridge. Uh, we're also going to have another quarterback who I believe he was a great, he'll at least be on campus. He was a great shirt last year, I believe um, Tyler Webb. And he's, he's out of Texas, but the quarterback room is going to be a point of discussion. Cause once it's football, that's like the easiest position in the world to talk about. But two, with how injuries were for Idaho last year, there's no reason to really believe anyone is a clubhouse leader to start, uh, meaning a meaning a freshman is absolutely on the table. It's a guy who theoretically uh, could start. But uh, Ridge Doskal, starting quarterback, um, quarterback from Arizona, 71% completion percentage as a senior, 127.8 QBR. 12 touchdowns, threw 12 touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, pretty dang good raw numbers, uh, and was also um, was also helped re- recruit by uh, Price Tracy before Price Tracy left. That's all. I, that's really all I have to add right now on quarterback position, which is we've got. I think it's worth paying attention just about every single name. By the way, another name before I throw it to you, Dallas, I put filibustering. This isn't a recruit. Several discussion we're going to have. I don't think people should think Zach Borsch is out of the quarterback room until we're told he's out of the quarterback room, which means we probably have four names that are going to be competing reasonably for what that starting position could be. Yeah, I think that's a very good good point to mention. Uh, obviously, CJ won the job last year and got hurt almost immediately after, and then we didn't see him again. Um, I have definitely been on the, on this show talking about how I see so much talent in the kid and I think he's going to be a superstar. Uh, that remains to be seen. Really hoping for him. But again, I'm, I'm guessing all these these kids are great kids. I, I don't know any of them. But uh, from everything we've heard, CJ's a good kid. Zach's a good kid. All these guys are good kids. Hoping for the best for him. But I would not be shocked to see Zach Borish. I wouldn't be shocked to see Zach Borish as the starting quarterback. I would definitely expect to see a little bit of what Petrino did last year with him, uh, but maybe just not like a less dumb version. stupid way. Yeah, I was I was trying to be a little bit more polite about it, but who cares? I, you guys know I'm not particularly polite or soft in the words I use, so screw it. Uh, I think he will not be used in such a stupid way this time. Uh, it won't be Borish gets the ball, Borish runs up the middle off the guard, two yard te- two yards, two yards. Negative six yards. Okay, not seeing him again. I can't imagine that that's going to be the case. I would, with just the electricity that he brings, I'm expecting to see him. But like you said, Tyler Webb, we've got Ridge. Ridge, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, so I'm not even going to try. Uh, Giovanni McCoy, I know, was was a pretty high recruit last year when we talked about him. Uh, he obviously got some time as a true freshman. Um, 
I know McLeod Crouton is in is in that room, and we talked about him last year. Um, I'm sure there's guys that I'm forgetting, but realistically, it's going to be an open open competition. And I don't, I couldn't sit here and say, "Yep, Borish is going to be the guy," or uh, Ridge is going to be the guy as a true freshman, or CJ is going to win the job again. Who who has any idea at this point? We might learn a little bit more in the spring, but I think the only thing I would bet on right now is Borish will get some sort of play at at quarterback if it's like weird wildcat packages or some sort of, you know, trickeration out there because we've seen from X uh, time at South Dakota State, trickeration is absolutely their kind of thing. You see fat guy touchdowns. I mean, everything's on the table at that point. So who knows? And last recruit, uh, Cade Ledesma, athlete out of Ventura, California. Dude's listed athlete. I have no idea how to project what they're going to do. Part of why I even pay attention to recruits is that come spring game, it's cool to know. Uh, just who you're watching to have a better idea of who, who pops or who to pay attention to at each position. I don't have much else to add about Cade Ledesma except, hey, uh, welcome aboard. Dallas, do you have anything before we transition out? Uh, I think he follows us on Twitter. And Cade, I'm really sorry that I don't know a whole lot about your academic background or history. All I've really seen is the little blurb here. Um, I tried to look at your Twitter profile, and I think it just said University of Idaho commit or something like that. So don't know a whole lot about you, but... Hey, happy to have you. I mean, 6'2", 180 is a, a pretty great size for a, a receiver or a DB. So uh, looking forward to it. And thank you for that correction. Uh, he's listed in on 24-7 when I was looking as an athlete on the Van, on the University of Idaho's ro- football roster for next season. He's listed as a wide receiver, defensive back. So, hey, we already talked about defensive backs. If you're an athlete, you've got a chance to see the floor. Uh, we're going to transition to basketball, but we, we have to go over first uh, – our favorite sponsor Hughes river expedition who brings us around the bar Hughes river expedition. If you are looking for a great all-inclusive week long vacation, don't look past your backyard venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the main salmon river, no return, the salmon river canyons or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like the one to see the Persed meteor shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing white water, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal owned and operated since 1976, ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. That's like the first time I've got through that without stumbling on some continent on some consonants. So, uh, and I like I stumbled on the consonants of consonants. So moving on to basketball, guys, men's basketball, quick update. We, uh, we played three games since we last, I just played three games since we last talked about it on the show. And um, yeah, you know what? We, season's Let's going do rough. it. Season's going rough, but you, we look. Th- this is a marquee program in this school. It needs eyes on it. So last last Thursday, Idaho travels to Weber State, loses eighty four to seventy four in Ogden, uh, ten point game in a game that I don't think felt like a ten point game in a negative sense. Mikey Dixon led us with nineteen points on six sixteen shooting, four rebounds. Rashad Smith added thirteen points on four to seven from the field with five rebounds. We follow that up Saturday with a devastating loss at Idaho State, 81-74. Mikey Dixon scores nineteen points, but shot five fifteen from the field, salvaged a little bit, going nine 
of 10 from the free throw line. Rashad Smith added 17.7 rebounds. Jamil King off the bench, nice game, 14 points on six of eight shooting. And then last night, so Monday, this was a makeup game because of a COVID cancellation earlier. We lose 74-72 at Northern Arizona. Uh, Trevante Anderson has a kind of a rebound game for him in that he'd struggled from the field for a while. Uh, scores 20 points and picks up nine rebounds, so that that was quite helpful. Uh, Mikey Dixon, 17 points, but another uh, pretty rough shooting game. Goes 4-12 from the field, but 8-10 from the free throw line. Those three losses bring Idaho to 1-11 versus D1 teams. I'm not counting Bible college wins. And we are now 0-6 in Big Sky, Big Sky Conference play. After that mouthful, Dallas, what was the story? of the last week in Idaho basketball. Uh, the story uh, is that this team is absolute trash. Uh, I know we tried to not talk about last year's team a whole lot, but I think we have to bring it up. This team might be just as bad as that team. That team couldn't score. This team could, can't defend. Uh, it, it's it's done. It's over. Uh, the optimism that we had of, hey, this SDSU win is great, and they're about to play some really awful teams, and maybe we can get a little bit of momentum and maybe finish with five or six conference wins. Not a chance. Absolutely not a chance. Uh, Patrick mentioning in the chat, the score is close, but it feels like they're down 20. Uh, I did not watch the NAU game, so I have no no way to judge that. Uh, but the Idaho State game, they were down 21 points midway through the second half. Obviously, they cut it considerably closer at the end, and uh, Jameel King hit a three to make it uh, – a single digit loss uh, with like three seconds left in the game, maybe two, but realistically it's over. Idaho state is absolute trash and they had a 21 point lead in the second half against this team. It's, it's just over. There's nothing redeeming to talk about except for one person. Mikey Dixon is having a hell of a year and might be the best player we've seen come through this program in quite some time. Best and best offensive player, at least excuse me. Yes. Best offensive player. Uh, it's just, but it, it, this team's just, it's bad. It, I'm I'm done with Kloss. Uh, everything we've heard is that he's a nice guy and he turned around some some problems that were happening in the background. But at the end of the day, you got to win games. And it's just, it's really tough to go from the excitement of football and this new coach who's saying and doing all the right things to Zach Kloss, who I guess is doing all the right things. But when you have, Brian, I'm sure you have the stat. How many wins does he have across his career? I would have to look it up. He is five and 39 in big sky games. Yeah. So that, I mean, you know, we're, we're not at 20. We're not at 15. We're probably at 10. If you count all of the Bible colleges, like it's, it's just, it's, it's done. This is just, it's, there's nothing redeeming about this. I, I don't even find enjoyment in watching the team anymore. I had fun the first couple of weeks of the season, especially culminating with that SDSU win. I don't even have fun watching this anymore. It's it's better basketball than it was last year, but you know, it, a pile of shit's still a pile of shit. Like it doesn't matter. The so before I go to the overall take, we'll say like some minor things are that Rashad Smith has kind of asserted himself as the number two option on the team, uh, in that he you know last, we went through a couple games where he's scoring around fifteen ish points consecutively. Uh, now that's not always. Uh, you know, great percentage, but uh, for us to stay competitive, we do need a second guy. Also Jamil King off the bench in big sky play. He's averaging right around 10 ish in conference play, which uh, that's 
again, like we're kind of grasping at straws to talk about what there is uh, to pay attention to. Uh, realistically, uh, the the fun part of the team is Mikey Dixon. The fun, I mean, look, they do score, so there's ways where the games are entertaining uh, to me in a way that it wasn't last year for sure. But this week was tough. I don't think anyone expected we were going to beat Weber State. Weber State is five and one in conference. They're in first place. This Idaho team wasn't going to beat them. That 10-point game was easily a 20-point game uh, if Weber had shot threes or free throws anywhere near what they average. So that's a little misleading how we're at 10. The Idaho State game was kind of the backbreaker for me because Idaho State was, had been catastrophically bad offensively throughout this season, and we let them put 81 points on us, and they didn't – and Idaho State, I mean, we – we let a terrible team shoot 50% from the field uh, yet again. That should feel like a theme's happen, happened multiple times, especially as of late. Uh, really since Montana State, the field goals, field goal percentage we've allowed of those games is 55.7 from, Mon- from Montana State, uh, 50, 54.5% from Eastern, 47% from Weber, 50 from Idaho, then 44 from NAU. 44 is closing and unacceptable. But the defense, just the defensive numbers are so, so just cataclysmically bad that there's, yeah, it, th- that's what this is moving in towards. I mean, look, offensive, re- defensive rating uh, that Idaho had, which is the offensive rating we allow the other team to have. Idaho State, second best effort of the season at 100. Their offensive rating was 111. Their other 111 offensive rating was a Bible college. That's that's just the level defensively that we were at. And then NAU, um, NAU. If you guys watch, if you watch that game, uh, neither team is particularly good. Idaho definitely had a chance to had multiple chances to win that game. NAU had multiple chances to pull away. Neither team did. Idaho had this weird situation where we pulled ahead where uh, Mikey Dixon gets fouled on a three and then NAU gets two technicals. So we go from uh, trailing by three to leading by two off by free throws and still aren't able to put it away. (sighs) Yeah, man. Um, It was a rough, it was a rough week that expectations are just adjusted at this point. I mean, we're, we're at my favorite point of the season which is when I, we start looking at advanced stats and i start trying to wrap my head around how bad this team is uh last year we talked uh we had a, a one of our shows uh, again they all kind of blur together because when you're getting punched in the face over and over and over it, it just you, you just kind of go punch your own. um anyways uh going off of per uh, again it's player efficiency rating uh john hollinger is the guy who, who created this john hollinger worked in the uh he was an espn insider he works for for the athletic now he worked in the memphis grizzlies front office for close to 10 years um anyways per is like an advanced rating that tries to measure your your per minute performance it's really weighted towards your offensive output uh, which is very key to remember on this team where the defense is the problem so keep that in mind this is weighted heavy towards the, the players and their offensive output uh if you look at the the like the scale of per 15 is considered average. The most average player, this is, it was developed for the NBA, but it works in college. Uh, 15 means you are the most average player in the entire league. Brian, do you want to guess how many players are over 15 for Idaho? One. You mean on the season or the con- using the conference stats? 
Uh, I'm using the season stats. Okay, I'd say one. I'll give you a half a point. Mikey Dixon is putting up a 22.4 in, you know, leading the team in minutes or maybe second most in minutes. Mikey Dixon is having a hell of a season. 22.4. If uh, an NBA player puts that up, that's considered definite all-star. Like that is a guy having a hell of a year behind him. uh, Jameel King in 194 minutes has 18.9, which is quite good. That's considered a second offensive option. uh, Good. Kendall McHugh in 15 minutes has 15.4. Those are the only three guys that are putting up a PER average or above. And that's, again, that stat is weighted very heavily to the offense. So this does not take into account how poor this team is on offense. There are three guys that are even just offensively better than average, and two of them in under 200 minutes. It's uh, it's it's pretty rough. If you guys look on, uh, I like to use SportsReference.com for for these kind of things. It is a, it is a cesspool. There are there are guys putting up numbers in the single digits, uh, and single digits in the NBA. A PER of single digits means that you are not an NBA caliber player. Uh, so if you translate that to college, there are four guys who have a PER so low that they should not be playing Division One basketball. Uh, and that's that's just tough. Uh, I, I'm not necessarily saying that's on the players. I think a lot of this has to do with the system that uh, and the. How do you want to like, say? I mean, you mean defensively? I mean, offensively? No, that is on the players. We have a like our for the most it's part true. we have a. So our offensive stats are sometimes misleading because this team plays a faster pace. Uh, for us mm-hmm. to have an efficient offensive night, we have to essentially score eighty points. But the some of the the culprits you'd expect on bad teams, and even some of the culprits we had earlier in the season, Idaho has a relatively better handle on, and we're we're not picking up wins. You know, one example is is rebounding. Earlier in the season, we were getting just destroyed on the boards, but you know, our last two games, um, Idaho State, we we out rebounded Idaho State 36-35. And then we were out rebound by three against Northern Arizona, but that's that's not that big a deal relative to where this team was early in the year. You would call the rebounding issues mostly fixed, getting either you know narrow having a narrow advantage rebounding wise like Idaho State or a small deficit with NAU. That that's much better than we had earlier in the season. You might also think turnovers, and we have some rough games with turnovers for sure. But if you if you look at our last two games against Idaho state, we had nine turnovers and sure that Idaho state only had six. That's more our defense only forcing six, but nine turnovers isn't a catastrophic number whatsoever. Then against Northern Arizona, we lose this game. We only had six turnovers and NAU had eight. So we were positive on a couple of those metrics that you'd think would be on the rougher end. And we're not coming away with wins. And the reason why is defensively we, we just don't get we don't don't get enough stops. That's it. The end. Uh, our help de- our help defense is nearly non-existent. Patrick, in the comments section, says every team Idaho plays shoots light, lights out from the three that night. Even the tough shots. That's true. But a lot of shots are easy that they're getting in terms of being open. And a lot of teams, whether it's drives or some post up situations, they get the ball pretty dang close to the hoop whenever they want. I mean, some people might wonder why Philip Pebble Jr. is not playing. I have no. It's not shocking to me. 
Phil Pebble Jr. is a he's had some great plays as a help side defender when he blocks shots, but he can't keep guys outside of the restricted area in terms of getting position uh, in the post. That's and he's one of many guys who struggles in that regards. Uh, so I think the way that I'm viewing this now, we I you know I took your temperature last week. The question was, hey, if season ended today. Uh, would, should, should or will Zach Klaus be coming back? And the answer is no. Well, sure as hell, it's still no this week if there was no last week. Uh, the question is, um, is there a chance for this team to turn it around? I don't think – I'd say you look at losses to Idaho State and, and Northern Arizona. Those were teams – yeah, those teams we had to beat for that to be on the table. We still played them again, played them in Moscow. So you could, you'd think, hey, you know, maybe that's a couple wins. But – we're starting to get the point 0 and 6 in conference for Klaus to get to that around 12 wins. He now, from here on, he has to have, a, if he's going to save his job, he has to have a winning record in conference or he probably doesn't keep it. And I, absolutely. I mean, I, <laughs> maybe I'm a little bit biased just towards the pain right now, but I don't think Klaus should come back if they happen to win every single game from here on out. It's, I think that, I think we've seen enough. It's, it's done. Uh, if you, for those of you uh, advanced stats nerds, anybody familiar with Ken Palm, uh, Idaho is three twenty eight in Ken Palm. Uh, Northern Arizona is three twenty three, and Idaho State is three thirty six. So that's out of three hundred fifty eight teams. So Idaho's in the bottom twenty five in the in all of Division one, and our little brother that we are supposed to beat the piss out of had a 21 point lead on us we let them shoot almost 50 percent from three if they'd made one more three they would have hit 50 percent on that night it's just I, i'm i'm done brian i i can't there is no hope for this team while class is there uh and I, I i just don't i just don't know what to do i don't know what to say so the only thing i'm gonna add to that is just a minor correction of well dallas obviously if he wins 14 games in a row he finishes 14 and six in conference. That would be a great season. <laughs> so j- just referencing that if he wins That's all the games, well, no dude, if he wins all the games, it means he's turned around. He's not going to win all the games. Not saying he is just trying to reference that uh, this week to close this out. Cause I think it's pretty clear uh, where we're at is Idaho. Idaho is scoring uh, mostly if much better than last year, but keep in mind again, possession wise, if we're not scoring right around 80, it's probably not that efficient of a night. And in terms of is the team good offensively, our pace pumps up our total, our point total a little bit. This week, Idaho plays Northern Colorado in Moscow. Uh, Northern Colorado is one of the teams that might win the league. So, Lord. Um, we also host Sacramento State on Saturday, January 22nd. And that should be a winnable game. And in theory, um, although Sacramento State is above that Mendoza, that line of Idaho, Idaho State, and NAU scoring margin-wise, we're clearly the lowest in the league. Then Monday, we have another COVID makeup game that is uh, at Portland State, which I just got to get this real, real quick before we go. Scoring margin. Yeah, there's still that cliff in, in the big sky of Northern Arizona is negative 7.8 in conference. Idaho is negative 8. Idaho State is negative 10.8. That's after beating us. They're still below a scoring margin wise. So those are the three. That's the cluster of the three worst teams. We just played a round robin against those and went 0-2 on the road. So, uh, yeah, that's just where we're at. We're going to close men's basketball, and we are going to do a quick women's basketball update, which Dallas, what are you going to tell me? We have not talked about Jack Hatton. 
could Jack Hatton turn this team around? Look, all it took was Hayden Hatton getting some play at wide receiver, and he turned into an all-conference caliber guy. Could Jack Hatton do the same? Just saying. The bloodline so, is strong. You know what? Fingers crossed if that's the case. I'm going to guess this far in the season if a guy hasn't seen play, it's because he's going to redshirt. So probably not. But women's basketball, which this is going to be where Hante Keemstra is going to join in because he is our, in addition to being a producer, Martin Hante Keemstra's women's basketball correspondent. So a quick run through of women's action since we recorded last. And uh, Tom Kendall says, bring on all the Hattons. You know what? Why not? So same set of teams that Idaho played. It's just these are flipped in terms of home and away. Idaho's women uh, last Thursday, they beat Weber State 62 to 41 in Moscow. Beyonce led Idaho with 12 points, nine rebounds. Both Allison Kirby and Cindy Gandy chipped in 10 points. Saturday, Idaho loses to Idaho State 60 to 56, but huge pause. The women's conference is flipped compared to the men's, where Idaho and Idaho State and men's are bottom two again. In women's, Idaho State is leading the conference, potentially expected to win the league again. They won the Idaho State, made the NCAA tournament for winning our conference tournament last season. So uh, 60 to 56 loss to Idaho State for a rebuilding team like Idaho. Not bad at all. Beyonce Bay, another huge game, 25 points, 12 rebounds. Louise Forsyth added 15 points. Tiana Johnson had 10. And then this is this is rough. Montana State's a very good women's program. Montana State, also the only school where the women's coach, uh, Trisha Benford, makes more than the men's coach, Danny Sprinkle. Uh, Idaho loses to Montana State, 79-69. Beyonce Bay Chipson adds 15 points, 12 rebounds. Louise Forsyth, 15 points off the bench. Sydney Gandy, 14 points as well. So thrown into hot take, Heemstress, same question I asked Dallas. What is the story of the women's team for this past week? The story of the women, this, the, oh, I'm, I'm not muted. I'm not muted. I'm good. Didn't pull Brian there. Uh, the story, the story for me is like, they're unlike the men's team. They are finally starting to turn the corner. They are starting to finally show the team that they can be the team that they should be this, this year with, uh, just with how things were with who they lost for the year coming into this year. And it's just overall, sorry, I'm just pausing right now. It's just, they're just, it's a complete opposite of the team. They're starting to, with the, unless with the men, how they're just kind of falling off into the abyss, the women are starting to claw their way back into relevancy again. Yeah, which you can see if you look specifically at the last four games Idaho's women have played. You know, over, on the season, Idaho's women are three and twelve because this team lost some seniors. Uh, also, Gina Markson's not playing this year, which was a bit of a surprise to a lot of people. Um, I'm going to throw the non-conference out the window. Also, non-conference Idaho's women played some pretty rough. Oh yeah, teams. I'm really. Love to schedule those tough. It is just a bloodbath for out of conference. Yeah, but those are power five teams. You know, like number eleven Texas at the time. Oregon State. You know, we traveled to Oregon State. We also played some. You know, group of five. If we're talking football teams that are, you know, on the more solid end. By the way, Washington State, power five team, we lost to, but we also played played San Francisco. 
we also played uh, University of Nevada. So, you know, some some rough games on there. So I'm going to look at the last four games. Idaho's women are two and two. Uh, the wins coming at Eastern Washington and then hosting Weber State. Now Eastern and Weber on the lower end of the conference. But, hey, we beat the shit out of them. So at the very least, they tell yourself, well, even rebuilding, we're not the bottom of the conference. And then really these last two losses, yeah, uh, losing against Idaho State sucks, losing against Montana State sucks, but those are two of the better teams in conference. Those are real respectable showing. Martin, what do you understand this team to be at this point? Oh, gosh, that is (laughs) – Rack, you distracted me, damn it. Uh, It's – what I expect them to be, like, I think, we're, we're, we're maybe, maybe revising my what I said preseason a little bit with being top three might be a little bit of a, a reach now. It is still more of the they're going to be competing with everybody, and it's not going to be a blowout. It's probably going to be more that upper, maybe the top five fighting for a bye week instead of automatically getting it this time around. Not just we expect it to be there every year, every year this this time around for Boise 2022 so that's kind of what I'm looking at when I see see the women's team right now is fans probably walk into season are always always going to expect Idaho is going to be top of the league but with you know some of the both graduation losses and then like I said you know hey Gina Markson is a big sky all big sky level player not playing Um, to me this team I might say the ceiling is maybe getting to a bye but if things actualize, if, if things move in this direction, like it has the last four games, we it wouldn't shock me that Idaho comes into the end of season, comes in the Big Sky tournament as a team who you wouldn't be shocked to spoil uh, one, one, two, or three seed before they get to the they get to the conference championship. Anything else to add, Martin? Before we uh, close the book on your first segment, I would say like just kind of my general thing, just to say I. I know Brian and Dallas probably talk about it in a second. I never doubt newly. I know before this kind of stretch of games, I was doubting them. I was ready to throw in the books just like Brian and Dallas are for men's basketball. And I thoroughly regret thinking those thoughts. It has been such a turnaround these past four games that I am ready to eat my eat my words and own up to it that I actually thought they this might be actually be a a rebuilding job this year, not a reload, not a total teardown kind of job. And we're going to close the book there. Martin, glad to have you on. Glad to have the women's, the women's team moved on to the main show. Uh, we're going to try to keep, keep rolling through that football to start with. And then both basketball teams as we move on and how are we going to talk about football? We actually have a pretty uh, guest next week that we're pretty excited about Dallas Extra points. Matt Brown had a big story that he published this week. had to do with um, had to do with a internal review. Top five Portland State did of their athletic department, specifically football and its impact as well. Matt Brown from Extra Points. By the way, go subscribe to Extra Points if you want to read this. He's going to be on uh, to talk to talk with us about what Portland State found and how that relates to Idaho, which. I got to tell you, based off of what I've read so far, based off of what I've heard, it should actually make you feel better about where Idaho is and worse about where Portland State is as far as football is moving forward. But Matt Brown's going to be on next week to talk 
how Portland State status in the Big Sky relates to other Big Sky schools in Idaho. We're going to have a basketball update as well for both schools. And if any recruit news comes in, we're going to roll with that as well. But at this point, dudes, especially because we got Monday basketball games, we're not going to be recording Saturday for basketball. Close Time to close down the show. Dallas, anything you want to add before we send it to Kobe Cuff? Yes, very quickly. Uh, I called out all of the quarterbacks by name except for Nate Cisco. That was the one name I forgot. I apologize to to the Cisco family. Uh, completely slipped my mind. I knew there was one quarterback I'd, I'd missed in my talk of, look, all of these guys are legitimately going to have a shot because I don't think X going to just name CJ the starter. I, it's just I think it's going to be everybody gets a shot. So that's the one thing I, I wanted to say. Uh, other than that, uh, I'm looking for uh, some really spicy content from Hot Take Eamster in the Only Tubs uh, this week. So if you haven't uh, signed up for Only Tubs, patreon.com slash Tubs of the Club. Yeah, the the patreon.com backslash Tubs of the Club URL, we have possession of that again. Uh, we're going to contact current patrons because if you go to that website, you will see no subscribers. We do have subscribers. We just need our new, we just have to talk to new patrons about migrating over. But that's how you join the Only Tubs Discord. That's how you get uh, really throughout the week and, and during games. We have chats about Vandal stuff, anything, really anything throughout throughout the week. Hot Take Heemstra, of course, has the spiciest uh, picks and NSFW content. Not really, or maybe <laughs> that uh, that he posts throughout the week. But anyway, uh, join us on the Only Tubs Discord. That only way you can do that is through Patreon, patreoncom backslash Tubs the Club. We're going to call it a day, guys. Thanks for joining. It is time for Kobe Cuff to play us out. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Vandals. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the Vandals in the crowd.